Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. I'm musician and engineer Ali Jafar, stationed in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'm joined by my friend and fellow musician James Woodard, all the way from San Antonio, Texas. Say hi to the people, James. Hi, people. <laughs> Today, we are talking about Silent Hill 3. Indeed. And when we talked about Silent Hill 2, we kind of had a theme or a thesis, which was that maybe some of its ideas are haven't held up that well. Yeah, I think our consensus was that it was a uh, problematic masterpiece. Right, the Pinkerton of horror games. So with Silent Hill 3, we don't have anything that catchy because we just don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean... Well, so I just beat the game yesterday, so it's fresh on my mind. Had you beat it before? I watched a friend sort of play it, you know, passively, like in the background, 15 years ago. But other than that, no, I didn't remember much past the mall section. So that's pretty much the first first hour of the game. So not really. For me, it's actually my favorite in the series. Well, (laughs) so I think it'll be an interesting conversation yeah well well, i didn't hate it it's just (laughs) not as good as silent hill 2 right and (laughs) i think that was the consensus at the time that probably still is the consensus but Mm. i definitely remember that was the feeling and it always kind of bothered me because i was just immediately like holy shit this is the one and this is such a huge step up and then i just was totally alone in feeling that way (laughs) so what about it like when when you first got it what about what about it clicked with you so hard well there's a couple things so first of all i think the aesthetics are incredible Mm -hmm. i think that it's the most well done artistically and When you think of a lot of things in Silent Hill, I think people don't realize that they're actually recalling Silent Hill 3 and not Silent Hill 2, you know? (laughs) And I think just in the design and the technical aspects, it's such a huge step forward and it's just such a good game. And I Mm. love that. And the other thing I think that's really important is that it established the... Um, the metaphysics of Silent Hill. Like it goes more into the religion and the gods that exist and Mm. all that kind of stuff, which, and I think it added this whole extra layer to Silent Hill that really makes the series unique, you know, Mm. like Silent Hill two is great, but you could have told that story in, in a bunch of different ways. Well, in that context, Silent Hill two feels more of a side story to the bigger picture that silent hill one and three paint right but i think silent hill two is more interesting in terms of theme because of that you don't get bogged down in all of the lore uh for silent hill two to paint a pretty personal picture and personal story you're not wrong but with three, there was also just such a satisfying element. If you had played Silent Hill one, mm-hmm. because Silent Hill one was a hot mess and it made no sense. And Silent Hill three is 
kind of like one of those classic video game moves of doing like a soft reboot of something uh-huh. yeah. that kind of makes everything, brings everything into sharper focus and makes everything make a little more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that Silent Hill 3 is definitely that for the original Silent Hill. And I think that if you had played the original Silent Hill and been intrigued by the ideas in it and some of the plot points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's hard not to love Silent Hill 3 because it's like, oh, yeah, they did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I played through one as a kid and I loved it. And it's been a long time. But 3 does recycle so many things from the first that it's sort of a, a sequel and a reboot at once. And I think it had a really fast turnaround. Uh, I think it was less than two years between two and three, maybe closer to a year. Yeah, it you are. Correct. So I think there's a lot of reused assets, too, between two and three and ideas between one and three. Well, and I think that in the Silent Hill series, three was cool because it established what they were trying to do with the series. Once again, like, I'm just speaking for myself. When I think of the things that I really like about the Silent Hill series, if one and two had been the only Silent Hill games, like it wouldn't be the same because three established so many of the big ideas. Mm. One of them, I think, is that each game is going to be different. Each game is going to have a different theme and a different aesthetic, but they're all going to tie together very heavily. Right. Right. Silent Hill three does that so well. And it was developed alongside Silent Hill four, which also does that, Mm -hmm. you know, with four calling back to one and two and three and four calling back to each other. You know, Mm. Silent Hill two sort of has the same feeling as Halloween three, because it's almost like they wanted to try something completely different with the series. And then the fans wanted closure on the main themes. So they ditched the idea of side stories and went back to the main story. But also, I mean, three was a main story and four was another side story. I remember at the time thinking that they were just going to be like, okay, well, every odd number one is a main story and every even number one is a side story. Mm. Didn't directors change for four? Uh, I believe it had a different director anyway because they were two different teams. Mm. They were like two sub teams because three and four were developed simultaneously. Mm, Interesting. And it has just a different feel to it because, you know, as I'm sure we'll talk about when we get to four, you know, that was kind of meant to be just a totally different take on the series. Right. And to be something totally different as opposed to three, which like we're saying is actually kind of a soft reboot that Mm. was meant to, you know, continue on the story of the original Silent Hill. I definitely thought it was cool to uh, revisit a lot of the same places from the previous games, but in higher fidelity. And with sort of a different aesthetic, you know, um, Silent Hill 3 has a much more warm color palette. It's Mm. a lot of orange and red. Uh, It has a totally different look. It's a little rustier, I think, than the other Silent Hills and just more colorful overall. Mm. Um. It is really big on the industrial imagery and also on the religious imagery, which we kind of lost in Silent Hill 2, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, at least well done religious imagery. I'm not going to talk about that last boss. Jesus. <laughs> I, w- I would also say it's less open-ended than 2. Um, right. The games, yeah. the games never give you a ton of freedom, but they often right. give you the illusion of freedom. 
right. um, which you really don't get here until, you know, well, halfway, well, f- more than halfway through the game. And then it's still um, it still lacks the, the depth of freedom that the previous ones had. Right. Well, and this is another thing I love about the Silent Hill series. Like I was saying, I'm, I'm talking about the first four games, of course, Uh <laughs> For anyone listening who doesn't know, there's basically four good Silent Hill games and then a whole bunch of disappointments. Um, (laughs) But in the first four games, they had a different theme to each game, and the theme was tied into the horror of the game as well as the game design itself. So Silent Mm -hmm. Hill 1 is really just all about confusion. It's very Lovecraftian. It's like a small little man against these giant forces cosmically you know arrayed against him he knows nothing about the town it's just happenstance that he's there and silent hill 2 took a totally different direction it's more about emotional distress and feeling lost so you play as this character as we discussed in the silent hill 2 episode who Mm -hmm. you know mercy killed his wife and he had all these conflicting feelings about the dissolution of their relationship so He's completely lost. He goes back to Silent Hill, and then he proceeds to just get even more lost completely. The hell is internalized. There's no external forces really going on. It's all the characters. Right, and the the game gives you these open environments in which to get lost in, literally to reinforce the figurative idea that your character is lost. Mm-hmm. Silent Hill 3, though, is all about something totally different, which is basically fate and sort of following the path that's set before you um and so the way what the game does is give you these really linear environments like you said you don't really have much freedom at all you don't get to choose where you go however you're playing as a character who is in the same situation she's sort of thrust into this hell world that's all just these linear corridors and hallways and there's all these characters trying to guide her towards fulfilling their goals and meeting their ends and she's super annoyed about it yeah and she's pissed about it the whole game and you (laughs) she's also like freaked out by it which manifests itself in this endless hallway horror and yeah that's why i love that's the big thing i love about silent hill 3 is there's so many scenes where you're walking down a hallway that just won't end or you're going down a ladder that just won't end, you know, right. or the opposite. You're going down something and it suddenly ends and there's a pit, you know, and I do love me some nonsensical Silent Hill architecture. Right. And Silent Hill 3 just has the best of that. <laughs> and I I really, really love that. And I love how it ties into the theme of the game. And it gives the main character more personality, which she already has more personality than any character that's ever been in a Silent Hill. But still. And blondes just want to have more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actual line in the game. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Fantastic stuff. You know, like. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just gushing. <laughs> Like, oh man, I really have, there was a long time where I kept being like, I'm going to replay all the Silent Hill games and I would just land on replaying Silent Hill three and then that's it, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) it's just so good. And it, it hits all the buttons for me. I watched the guy speed run it last night. He beat it in like 35 minutes. That was a fun watch. (laughs) What? 
how? The main thing is he skipped the entire mall by doing a trick where he like paused and changed his costume and unpaused. And once he did that, he like clipped through the wall and like ran through the mall. (laughs) But the rest of the game was mostly legit, which is shocking. But yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, we should probably set up what this game even is. Do we want to give it the the non-spoiler setup or the spoilery setup? Because it's been a long time. Oh, uh, like spoiling Silent Hill 1 kind of thing? Yeah, well, there's a twist halfway through Silent Hill 3 that if if you're like completely in the dark about the series might come as a shock to you. Sure. Yeah, this is... Yeah, fuck it, dude. We're going full spoiler. It's been a long time. Yeah, we're going full spoiler. Sick. (laughs) So... So Silent Hill 3, you're, you play as Heather Mason, the adopted daughter of Harry Mason from the first game, which you don't really know about. You don't know anything about your your the, the true origins of your past. Right. The beginning of the game, you're at a, a theme park turned to hell, which is, you know, immediately familiar to anybody that's played the first game as basically the end of the first game. You die and you wake up and you realize it was like all a dream, essentially. But turns out, you know, long story short, Heather is like the prodigal daughter of the main cult from Silent Hill 1. And essentially, she's at the point in her life where she needs to um, remember who she is and essentially play her role as the prodigal daughter in the cult. And so all these people come out of the woodwork and try to, you know, like push her through this path, which is essentially the narrative of the game. While she fights against it the entire time. Right. Exactly. And all of these characters are these very bizarre people who are all part of this cult. They basically kick off the events of the game by finding her and, you know, plunging her into the Silent Hill hell world. And as the game goes on, you keep going deeper and deeper, literally and figuratively, into the hell world until finally you're in Silent Hill and you're just kind of, you know, at the heart of everything, which is kind of the same story arc as the first Silent Hill. Um, Mm. But it's just done in a much different way, I think. And it's cool because you get to see it with a really different character. Heather is a really, really different character than any of the other Silent Hill protagonists. We've made a lot of jokes about how they're all just like, vanilla males you know like but yeah like confused white dudes what is this (laughs) yeah exactly what uh (laughs) it's like a bunch of hank hills but with less personality and Uh it's cool that i mean not only is heather not just like a confused dude but also that she kind of has a shitty attitude and is over everyone's bullshit and she's extremely fucking relatable and to the point where there's even a joke early on uh that's like uh making fun of silent hill 2 because there's like a really stupid scene in silent hill 2 where the dude just like unclogs a toilet with his hands like his bare hands which is like (laughs) super gross and in this game you can try to do that and it's like a whole ass cutscene of her just going fucking no this is gross who would do this yeah well she's not definitely not doing that 
Right. She's not even going to get the key under the palette that you can see in plain sight. <laughs> right. Well, maybe she's got really <laughs> muscular wrists and they just can't get in there. Either. <laughs> but so I, I think it's really cool how different she is. I like her as a character, but I also like that she just is a different character. And for them to sort of take you on a similar ride to Silent Hill 1, not just with updated graphics and sound and all that, but also with a character who thinks and acts and reacts totally different from Harry mm-hmm. Mason. I really, really enjoyed that. So this might be our first diversion into the things you like and the things I don't. Sure. <laughs> I, I find that the intro of this game, how it just kind of thrusts you into the hell world and, you know, the second screen you navigate has a bunch of bad guys in it. Right. Um, it deflates the horror, I think. You know, Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill 2 both have this, like, slow burn build that just, like, escalates the tension more and more until you, like, meet a bad guy. Right. And the third one just kind of, like, throws you into it. And it it wasn't scary or it didn't, you know, it, the, the tension wasn't built enough before you know, you're thrust into the situation. I see where you're coming from. I, you know, I think that for me, I just saw it as a different way of building tension or Mm. a different way to sort of structure the game. It is very different from the first two games. So for some context of what we're talking about right away, the game puts you in environments that are full of enemies. So, you have to run. Yeah. You have to run that nightmare scenario from earlier. Right. But even once the mall is the first area in the game and you have to run through pretty much all of it. And it's pretty jarring compared to especially Silent Hill 2 because the opening stretch, there's no enemies. And right. it's a lot of just exploration. The thing that I liked about that part of it was that... <laughs> It, well, it was twofold. One, I thought that it really made you play it like an old school survival horror game. Like it feels like a subtle nod to the first Silent Hill and not a, you know, a sort of veiled or, or not a really, really obvious nod to it. Like a lot of the other stuff in the game, because Silent mm-hmm. Hill one did have some areas that were full of enemies and that were really frustrating and were super dark uh, mm-hmm. and survival horror, you know, the sort of classic model of it is that there's more enemies and you can fight and you have to run. So Silent Hill three definitely has that going on. The other thing is that I felt like it made you traverse the game in a really different way. Like you just have to run through a lot of environments. So you have to know where you're going or like basically pray that you're going the right direction. And Mm. I liked the tension that that created. It's a really different tension than the opening of SH2 where you're creeping through the town waiting for something to happen. It's not like that, Mm -hmm. but it feels more, almost more modern, like almost more like the Resident Evil two remake to me now, you know, Mm. like, yeah, you just got to hustle. (laughs) And if you don't hustle, you (laughs) die. And it keeps, once again, it fits into the theme and the design of the game that you're always being pushed forward. There's always this propulsion and you just have to keep moving forward. That's the name of the game. Yeah, for sure. So I, but I could also see where you're coming from because I think Silent Hill 2 was so slow paced and had such good building of tension. 
Um, but I don't know, like I, I get equally that stuff, I think kind of gets equally under my skin if it's well done, you know, like a game can be tense and stressful or slow and brooding. And I can I can appreciate both, but it is definitely a departure. And SH3 does have its moments of brooding, just not at the beginning. It just throws you into the deep end of the pool, like after the first, you know, intro. Right. But that was another thing I liked about it. Because, <laughs> you know, not that Silent Hill games have ever had long, you know, expository sections where someone is like, here's your guns, soldier. Those are the aliens. Man, it really sucks to live on Alpha Prime. We better go kill them all. <laughs> like, that's never been Silent Hill style. But I loved how bare bones and minimalist Silent Hill 3 is, where it's just like, dude, fuck you. Like, whatever. You'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed that. I thought, once again, it kind of made everything click in the pa- uh, place a little better. Like, mm. I was thinking about that today because, like, I don't think the voice acting in three is any better than in two. Uh, but it feels like it is because of that to me. It, does it? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, is, this is, again, here where we divert. Well, I don't I don't think it's like I don't think it's like a a big deal. Like, I don't think it's like a a real step up. But I think that just because there's less context, it almost makes it work more for me. Yeah. So if if you didn't hear the previous episode and in the SH2 episode, we talk about the voice acting as coming across as really um, like dreamlike and hypnotic in ways. Like, all the characters that talk to each other are basically, you know, like, in their own personal hells or mourning, things like that. So, you know, the stilted voice acting kind of worked in that way. Now, in SH3, it just comes off as really bad to me. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, the big thing is that they just have more personality. Like... Mm. Once again, I mean, I think it's just like with our conversation about Silent Hill 2. It's something that you can either choose to look at as a concrete story or you can choose to look at it like a mood piece, right? Mm. I think that when I listen to the characters talk, I they just have more personality. And so I end up thinking just a little bit more about their sort of inner life and who they are. Like, Claudia is the cult leader. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's like a little freak baby. She's a weird rat lady and she keeps (laughs) popping in and making uh, prophecies and shit. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like when she, you know, inevitably floats off screen through a hidden door or whatever, you're just like, where is she Mm -hmm. going? Like, what is she she doing right now? You know, where are her shoes? Yeah. (laughs) Where are her fucking shoes? No shirt, no shoes, no service, Claudia. You're in a mall. Excuse me, ma'am. This, this is, is Spencer, Spencer Gifts. <laughs> I even like in the, in the, so there's the, the game starts with this PI finding you. Um, he's hired by the cult to find mm-hmm. you. But once he, Douglas, Douglas, once he finds you, it's kind of, he's like, dude, fuck these guys. They clearly suck. And like, <laughs> yeah, I got to get out of this deal. But like Douglas has kind of a funny, almost like SNL character, grumpy guy voice. Sorry, <laughs> so weird. But like, I love it, and I love his lines. Like early on, after you escape the Hell World Mall, he shows uh-huh. up and he's like, "And what was that monster?" And like, 
it's, it's just so great because it's like oh weird like i'm thinking about that dude now just had the same experience i did but he's like walking around like i'm walking here where's my pizza <laughs> You know, and yeah, I like that this game has characters that I sort of care about or want to think about as opposed to Silent Hill 2, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Eddie is Bay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, no one in this game is cooler than Eddie, but you know, like, you get what I'm saying. So, another thing I, I did yesterday besides beat Silent Hill 3 is watch uh, Jacob's Ladder. And the next section of the game is the subway, which is directly lifted out of Jacob's Ladder. Right. There, there's even a part in the film where he gets to his or his his station and the exit's closed. It's chained off, you know, very Silent Hill. And he actually jumps onto the tracks and uh, tries to cross it. That part and some of the camera angles are lifted straight from Jacob's Ladder and put into Silent Hill 3. Right. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, in my list of things that people I don't think attribute enough to Silent Hill 3, that was the one where you really, really got that uh, Jacob's Ladder uh, influence in the game. I mean, it's in the first one. It's in the second one. But then the third one is like where it really, really comes into play. And... All of that stuff, uh, or a lot of that stuff, recurs in Silent Hill Four, but it's literally just a, a lift of itself, you know. I I think even the train station's name is lifted from the movie. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. What what do you think of that movie? Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. You know, in 2019, the ending is kind of hard to deal with because of the "you were dead all all along" cliche right. kind of plot twist. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the sixth sense ruined that for all movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was great. Like uh, it, it lingers with you, you know? Yeah, for sure. Probably one of the best movies that I've ever seen that like actually dealt with PTSD, you know? Right. I think it, it has a, an interesting way of dealing with the you were dead all along trope, mm -hmm. which is that the writer apparently was inspired by the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yes. Which is basically a spiritual journey from life into death. So the book sort of tracks the passage of a spirit from one world into the next. And I think that's a super cool way to approach that concept. Um, yeah. And not just the, oh, it's a crazy twist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was also uh heavily in influenced by that uh twilight zone episode and occurrence at owl creek bridge oh yeah for sure which was super heavy and i think you know it it also touches on that sort of book of the dead thing right very cool yeah super cool i'm glad you watched that uh wasn't it like i said this in in the silent hill 2 episode though where i was like if you played silent hill first and then watched that movie isn't it just nuts like all the stuff that they just lifted from it. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole fast, twitchy, shaky head thing, you yeah. know, Jacob's ladder started that. Yeah. Um, which, you know, has become a trope, especially right. in like 2000s horror. I think Silent Hill kind of like reignited that. Right. And then everybody started doing it. Even like J horror, I think. Yeah, for sure. And that movie is nuts. Cause that's all practical effects too. It's just crazy. Yes. But also the imagery is, you know, directly lifted from Francis Bacon paintings, which we talked about in the last episode, yeah. you know, in terms of like David Lynch's influence. Being influenced by that movie oh, oh, brings in a whole bunch of other influences. 
which yeah i'm sure they were aware of but it's like even if they weren't it's like yeah good enough but yeah i think with silent hill 3 bringing in that influence so heavily it also you know like i I alluded to earlier i think it modernizes the influence of the games like silent hill 1 and Mm. 2 both kind of have that heavy modern gothic you know maybe wicker man meets twin peaks kind of vibe sure and they sure. they have the industrial music and they have some of the industrial aesthetics, but Silent Hill Three really brings it into modernity and you know makes you think of stuff from the late eighties, early nineties. You know, it makes you think about industrial music, and it really brings in a mm. whole different set of modern influences into Silent Hill, which I thought was really cool. Speaking of industrial music, the sound design in this game is just incredible, dude. Um, yes. So it seems like. Tell me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of how I was reading it. If you walk into a room with multiple enemies in it, each enemy adds a layer of noise to the scene. Yeah. So there's like three or four bad guys. You've got three or different layers of like noise loops going on. Right. And as you kill them, like the noise loops will drop away and then you'll only hear one or two like horrible noises. Right. And then as, as they, you know, as you kill them, all that's left are just like ambient sounds that may or may not make sense for the environment. Right. Dude, it is fucking bananas. The other thing, two things that I found in this game that I had totally forgotten about. One is that a lot of areas, you know, instead of having unique music, will have just really weird off putting sounds, like mm-hmm. kind of distant moaning or screaming. There's or like a malfunctioning air conditioner yeah, turbine yeah. in the next room or something. Right. Like things you can't pinpoint. Very offsetting. Dude, for sure. And like I think the one that really freaked me out was there's this noise that kind of sounded like a mix between like a person screaming and a dog. And mm. ugh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it because it was just like so <laughs> fucking gross and off-putting. And I love it. Or you'll it. just hear footsteps. Right. Yeah. Or you'll yeah. Sometimes it sounds like field recordings, like like I'm sure Yamaoka was just walking around with a Zoom or something, right? And he heard like some weird sounds at a train station, and you know, like played it back, slowed down, or you know, it's, it's some things that sound like mechanical and familiar, right? But are processed in a way that make them seem hellish or just taken out of context, you know? Right. And the other thing too is that, like you alluded to earlier, that a lot of things have unique sound bites so enemies having their own unique sounds but also little areas will just have a short little tiny music loop um, yes so i'm familiar with these because i the soundtrack to silent hill 3 is like one of my favorite albums of all time <laughs> uh, it's so 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 good and one thing it has is these little interstitial tracks either at the end of one song or between two songs that'll just be a short little drone kind of what we're talking about but maybe a little bit more musical and I had never really noticed that all of those are in the game but they'll just be for like a room that's really small you know yeah and so it's like Mm -hmm. it's just the attention the detail is mind-blowing you know Yes, care is taken in ways that are, you know, really strange and unique. Like you'll walk into one room that doesn't seem very important in the big picture, but it'll be very well crafted and it'll have its own unique soundscape. And 
you know, in, in a regular playthrough, you might only be in that room for a minute or two, and then you'll never be in there again. There's one puzzle in the bookstore, but, you know, everything in that bookstore is, like, handcrafted, you know? Right. The bookstore looks great. I would rock the fuck out of that bookstore, by the way. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was wandering around in there, and I was like, oh, man, this really feels like being in a bookstore in the late 90s. Like, yeah. There, yeah, I, I think that's what really drew me into this game is the attention to detail and how fully realized Silent Hill feels in this game, mm. as opposed to other games where it could at times feel more like a metaphor, which it kind of is, or it could sure. feel more like a state of mind or something vague, which once again, it kind of is. But I think Silent Hill 3 is the most visceral of all the games. And just in the way it looks, you know, it actually looks bloody and rusty and nasty. And Mm. it's like they really tried to make a real Silent Hill in this game. And it totally changes the mood of the game. Hmm. I feel like Silent Hill 2 does better at making it feel like a real town. I don't know if that's just because of the amount of traversal it makes you do. Yeah. You know, because three, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of strung along these places and there's not really a lot of time to screw around and you're not rewarded for really looking around either. If you, if you do, there's two points in the game where you can run around town, but you're not really rewarded for the exploration. Right. You're kind of just strung along the linear path. I guess that's that's the sort of thing that appeals to me, though. I think that might be an audio engineer thing where it's like fixating on a tiny detail that literally lasts less than a second. <laughs> and I feel like th- this game has so much of that that uh, like it just really pushes a button for me. You know what I mean? And I've said yeah. this. I think I've said it before on our podcast. I've definitely said it in real life in discussions that I don't like open world games, but I I like open ended games. I like games that, you know, let you play how you want to play and choose you what you want to do. Sound Hill three isn't like that, but the reason that I bring it up is because those games are fascinating because they have so many little details in them and you can blaze by all of them. And then maybe you catch a second of a suggestion of something and it's cool because you see it and you think about it, but you don't have to go and make it a whole thing. You know, it doesn't pop up in your sub menu as a side quest or some shit. And right. I think that Silent Hill 3 is a linear game that has that same flavor and that same feel where it's like, let's pack it full of details and just let you blaze by all of them. But then mm-hmm. later you're thinking about it and you're like, God damn, that was a good bookstore, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's it's almost illusionistic, you know. If you if you if you pack a lot of details in the small areas, it makes you think that the world is bigger or you know more detailed than it is. Right, and that's actually a classic Konami thing. I mean, Snatcher was totally that way. Oh man, Snatcher felt so big when I was twelve and playing Snatcher for the first time. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Snatcher felt the way that everybody said like GTA 3 felt like. But yes, GTA 3 felt like crazy taxi, but less fun to me. And Snatcher actually felt like (laughs) real shit. I can imagine like a true Silent Hill game in 2019 feeling something like not open world, but open area. You know, something like the Yakuza games. Yeah. Or Evil Within 2. So Evil Within 2 has open world sections. 
And I think the first of three of them is very Silent Hill. It's got a lot of vibes. Yeah, I keep hearing that about that game. I'll get around to it. You got, man. You, <laughs> you really, really gotta. Like, the, I feel the, the problem with getting into part two of that series is that I have to get through part one. No, you don't. And I, nope. I just have a, a sordid relationship with part one. Yeah, I mean, I would like you to get through part one so we could talk about it, but just in terms yeah. of enjoying part two, you do not need to play part one. Yeah, I'll just have to power through them one weekend. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. I'll play it on easy. <laughs> yeah, no, the first one you should 100% play on easy. Like, mm. there's no reason to torture yourself with the other difficulties in that game because it's not good. I don't play a lot of games on easy, but um, I feel like a lot of horror games do better on easy. Yeah, I mean, but that's one thing with with Silent Hill 3. Like I was saying, I actually like the difficulty because it makes you run from the enemies. I mean, it was refreshing. Yes. And also, the difficulty wrecks the, the, the puzzles, too, which is very sad. You think so? If you neuter the game's puzzles, there's very little left other than running from point a to point b yeah but i like some of the puzzles i mean there's some of the puzzles in this game that are a little bit obtuse just little things like the bleach puzzle like when you get the two things you're like i should mix them together but then yes you have to find the bucket <laughs> and then you have to turn the fan off and then turn the fan <laughs> yep. on. and it's like that but that's a good puzzle actually and it's in an area where you can't get attacked so you're not rushed by anything yeah you know that was very sierra of them that was very leisure suit larry of them dude all those games have one though silent hill 2 has like the, <laughs> the well and uh yeah they all have that one moment where it's like a total yeah. total uh, gabriel knight moment the one that got me was uh having to plug the hair dryer in to kill the <laughs> tentacle monster but then once you do it you're like that's genius. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I... I was looking for a toaster the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening to the Zero Brightness Podcast. If you want to support us, the most direct ways are at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also give us a rating on the service of your choice. I know Apple's super into that. And when you leave a rating, you can also leave us a suggestion for a future episode topic. You can also follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. We're at Zero Brightness Pod. You can also shoot us an email with thoughts, comments, whatever at Zero Brightness Podcast at gmail.com. It's been really cool interacting with people and sharing thoughts on Facebook and Reddit. So hoping to hear from you guys more directly in the future. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. I like the puzzles fine. I guess I, I sort of felt that a lot of the, the puzzles in Silent Hill games were maybe a little bit overinflated in terms of how good they are. Like... I don't know if any of the Silent Hill games have, you know, real brilliant head scratchers. The the piano puzzle from one is really good. That's like a classic puzzle. Yeah, that is good. Uh, I liked the one 
it, it's a real brain melter, but in the hospital in three, you there's basically like a numbers puzzle on the wall to oh, decode yeah. the password. Right. That's a that's a good brain bender. Right. Um But yeah, ones where you have to like use tongs to get the key that you can clearly see. <laughs> and then five minutes later there's another puzzle where you need to reach for something, but you can't use the tongs again. You need a different unique item. Yeah. Which is the wire hanger. Which is ridiculous because you can't see it without the flashlight, even though you can clearly see it. Yeah, that is actually. But really you need goofy. to unlock the flashlight to see the wire hanger. That is a really goofy <laughs> moment because the camera actually pans in, and it's like, I wish I could see what this is, and it's just a fucking coat <laughs> hanger, like <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah, loved it. That is one cool thing. This game does. This game is full 3D, and it has a camera you can center. It has a, a camera that you can constantly battle the entire game. <laughs> I had an easier time <laughs> with it than than two's camera. Uh, I felt like it was about the same. I, did, I I didn't feel like they improved it in any way. I I think it's a. I I fought with it less, but. Yeah. It's also hard to say because I'm just so used to the, the wonk in these games. <laughs> yeah. And it's also not like full tank control wonk, so it always just feels good. The thing that Silent Hill games do that just fucking gets my dander up is every, every time you walk through a, a door, when you exit the door on the other side, the camera is facing you. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. And so immediately you start fighting the camera. Like you, you go through a door, you start fighting the camera. It does suck. I'm I'm not going to stick up for that design choice. That was bad. <laughs> but, you know, that does bring up another design choice that we don't agree on, which is the enemies in this game. Yes. And I like... They're not scary. <laughs> I think they're cool. I like them. And I actually... I noticed that with the camera in 3 being a little wonky and the game being so claustrophobic as compared to the other Silent Hill games that I thought it was really there were a lot of cool moments of like those huge enemies just emerging out of darkness Mm. and it's just such a cool visual and the sound design like we said is is fantastic Mm. that I was like oh that's really cool like yeah maybe that enemy on its own isn't the coolest thing I've ever seen, but the seeing this huge inhuman, almost like distended mannequin grotesquerie just creep out of the darkness at me. I was like, you know what? Yeah. That's, that's a spook. That's a spookums. That's a spooky that's moment. A <laughs> yeah. Certified spookums. Certified. Uh, yeah. The first bad guy you meet in this game is this kind of tall, skinny, androgynous sort of monster with big chicken drumstick arms they're called closers or close closers. i thought it was closers yeah, yeah i don't know like the nine inch nail song yeah yeah it's like two boomboxes playing that song at once slightly sick. offset sick yeah um don't love those des- the design of that bad guy sure um you you run right into them during the intro Right. So when you're reintroduced to it in the mall with this cutscene, it's not like scary because you've already met them. I see where you're coming from, but I think that how the game puts all the pieces together is really cool and and satisfying to me. So like how the visuals and the lighting and the sound design and everything mm-hmm. combines to make this one, you know, to make an encounter with an enemy. 
I think is really cool. And I think it's sustained over the course of the game, which is what I would give it over Silent Hill 2. Silent Hill 2 has a great intro, a couple of enemies that are really actually scary and cool in the Mm. intro. And then by the time you get a third of the way through the game, you've seen them all. They're not creepy anymore. You're just kind of tired of them. Like even the sound design and the lighting in this game, making the just generic survival horror zombie dog enemy kind of fucking creepy. Come on. Give it some props for that. I I like the zombie dog. Its head splits open in half like the thing, which is dope. After the closers, you know, what are that besides the zombie dogs and the closers? uh, Later on, you meet these things called slurpers, which are super annoying. (laughs) They're kind of like anteaters, like oh yeah, human, human, but like little anteater heads. Yeah, or their faces look like vaginas or something. But they like they're super low to the ground, so you can't hit them with your melee weapons, really. Right, and they just kind of bum rush you and make you fall over constantly. Right, uh, they're the most feared bad guy in the Silent Hill universe because <laughs> they're just so annoying to deal with. Right. Well, and I also like. I every, think they're kind of creepy. Yeah, they're pretty creepy. And also, every Silent Hill game has like a sort of dumb, dumb guy enemy. They're basically like the the game's version of rats in a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. And I really like the the dumb guys in this game. They look like <laughs> little like dinosaurs or something. Oh, what are those called? Oh, numbody. Numbody. Yeah, they look kind of like um. Like a dog dick, like in the in the cock sheath, you know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that one, James. <laughs> I like those guys. They're kind of fun. I'd I'd hang Somebody out. Somebody said they look like a like um developing fetus, like a zygote or something. Yeah, I could see that. And I mean But I also feel like people because of Silent Hill 2, people try to like really derive meaning from like everything in these games. Right. Well, which is probably a problem. It's totally a problem, but I think that <laughs> in this game, it's cool that the enemies are, they're a little more vague and they kind of just seem like something a scared kid would think up, which you're playing as a 16 year old. And so I, mm. I think that the enemy design is cool in that way and the sound design just really pushes it forward that it's like oh you know these things are not as much about what they look like or just looking at one getting a good look at one it's more about the whole experience of encountering the enemy sure and the the sexy nurses are back yeah of course this time they're they're strapped (laughs) they they got gats yeah but so do you (laughs) True. <laughs> oh, well, I, we do need to talk about the weapons in this game because they're fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Take it but away. Before we get there, we'll talk about the rest of the enemies. Right. Um, besides that, there's a split head worm, just like in the first game. Right. The first boss is a worm. Oh, gosh, the other boss is... Uh, there's uh, the missionary. Missionary, that's it. There's insane cancer. Yeah. Um, insane cancer. I only really dealt with like two of those the entire game. I ran from almost all of them. Yeah, for sure. Because they're they're usually just like chilling on the floor. I guess insane cancer would be like the Eddie of Silent Hill Three. <laughs> well, and you'll also be happy uh, happy to know that the Silent Hill Wikia is uh, confirming the appearance of the insane cancer in Silent Hill the Arcade. So, oh hell yes. 
Uh, that's another callback. Which is the best Silent Hill game. Right, yeah. Wait, look look out. Coming soon. Silent Hill, the arcade. Full episode. Three-hour discussion and <laughs> plot analysis. What happened? Deep dive into the themes. It's behind. <laughs> um, great slogan. Great slogan. Yeah, back-of-the-box quote. It's behind. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like the the design in this game, and like you were sort of alluding to, I like that it's not just you know legs, legs and asses. Sure. Well, there is one monster in the game that you never have to fight, but it's sort of a background thing, right? And he reoccurs several times. I believe it's what, volatile. Yeah. And he's sort of a lore character, right? Yeah. So this is maybe a whole tangent. Uh, let's see how long <laughs> this goes for. But one of the things that I really love about Silent Hill 3 is that it essentially establishes the entire metaphysics of the Silent Hill universe, um, which is basically that there are a pantheon of gods they call them angels, mm. and then there's one that's just called God. That's the thing that the cult in the game worships. <laughs> yeah. You know? And all of these angels are portrayed as these really horrible, like, grotesque things. You know? Just these totally gnarly, evil monsters. Uh-huh. Yeah, Valtiel is, is the big one in this game, but it also... This game contains all of the relevant scriptures of the religion that these people follow and it introduced some of the other gods who have really amazing names like uh lobzel veith this stuff is all basically just kind of hidden in the game or hinted at by the game and mm. all of the other you know elements that are found like in silent hill 4 and maybe in you know some of the couple of games that came after this they all sort of branch off from silent hill 3 Obviously, it's introduced mm. in the original Silent Hill, but it's very, very vague, you know? It's really just Dahlia kind of just ranting about God, but right. Silent Hill 3, you know, Silent Hill 2 introduced Pyramid Head, who mm-hmm. isn't one of these, like, angel creatures, but sort of has a similar aspect and similar behavior. And then Silent Hill 3 actually established that, okay, there are these creatures, they're basically like minor god, agent of chaos type things, and yeah, they lurk Mm. in the background and are just creepy as fuck. Now, going back to our Silent Hill 2 episode, we didn't talk a ton about Pyramid Head. We didn't at all, actually, I don't think. Yeah, (laughs) it was just super weird. Uh, Listening back on it, I'd realized that. But I don't find him one of the really interesting parts of the game, or narrative, or themes. I agree, and that's why I like the introduction of these other entities in Silent Hill 3, because I think all the other characters are a lot weirder and a lot creepier, because they're fully in the background. Like, you don't fight Valtiel, or you don't even have to engage with it at all if you don't want to. Um, It's basically just like this creation myth that involves all these creatures, and they all just seem to be twisted and awful and somehow believing in these things or you know sort of signing over your soul to these things creates the hell world of uh of silent hill Mm -hmm. and that's fucking cool as hell 
Yeah, him just being incidental in the background and him never being explained. Or I don't even think he's named in the game, is he? I'm not sure. It's if he is, it's highly missable. So it's it it just builds intrigue and well, it's just also just fucking creepy. Cause you know, one part he's just like he's climbing through like this little rafter, and another part he's like strangling some nurse. Really odd shit going on in the background. That doesn't affect you in any way, but it does make your radio go off. We never talked about this either, but in Silent Hill 2, the radio goes off when you're on bad guys. Um, <laughs> right. So usually you know you're safe if your radio's not going off. So the audio always plays into it. So, you know, if you're in a room, you like, you know if you're in danger or not. So it's just such a cool detail. Very Dark Soulsy. I mean, Silent Hill is the Dark Souls of storytelling. <laughs> you're here to hear first, folks. Yeah, I, I think that's. Once again, I mean, that's what really appeals to me about Silent Hill 3 is that it it takes those ideas from Silent Hill 1, like not having to foreground the interesting parts of the story or not having to tell you what's going on. And it takes them all the way, you know, it goes Mm -hmm. all the way in. So there's this whole weird frame story about this religion that you don't even have to get any of. I mean, you know, it's important because you keep hearing Claudia, the leader of the cult spout off about this shit, but you never get anything Mm -hmm. that would really give you an idea about what's actually going on. You're just getting bits and pieces and then maybe you see this weird thing. And Mm. I, and that's really why this series has attracted so many fans and so many like obsessive people like me just because right. it has all these cool details and totally i guess that would be like if if i was doing this episode alone and i it was just me <laughs> gu- it would be a terrible episode and it was just me gushing about this game like my my thesis statement would be that sound hill 3 is like the most detail oriented game and if you like that kind of stuff it just keeps scratching that itch for you <laughs> and it gives you stuff to think about and look up later and well, also, you know, the developers, I think they fed off that. And so there was this like drip feed of like lore and content in things like art books, soundtrack CDs. They released uh, little short films that are like two, three minutes long with ma- uh, little uh, minor characters. Um, so they totally like fed that hype. Right. And one thing that I think differentiates it from some of the games that came after it that did something similar with storytelling is that it was very clearly telegraphed that this is important to the developers. Like, obviously, it's important to the fans, right? Fans mm-hmm. get excited about anything, but the developers are actually telegraphing to you this is important. So, for example, when Silent Hill 3 came out, it came with the soundtrack CD. And yeah. it, like I mentioned before, it had a bunch of excerpts of this weird lore, just like spoken word shit. And yeah. so if you were like me and we're just in love with this game, you'd play the game all the time and then you'd fucking put the CD in your Walkman and get on the bus and go to school and just be listening to it in your fucking Walkman. And you're just <laughs> thinking about it and you're just totally immersed in it. So then when you get back home from school, eat some cheese and crackers, go down in the basement, you want to play some fucking Silent Hill 3, you boot it back up and you're like, man, the just as I was immersed during the day because I was listening to the CD, now I'm back in the game and the game is super immersive because it has all of these cool details. It's giving me mm-hmm. all of this stuff to think about, you know? Right. And along with that, there were a lot of like, um, like additional story content, right? Like, 
I believe there were comic books, uh, novels. So, and I think they're all ca- canon too. Yeah, for sure. So that that's why I mean, if you've never taken a weirdo deep dive into the world of extra Silent Hill lore content, it can be <laughs> re- like really overwhelming at first because you're just like, yeah. excuse me, what? <laughs> uh, like, what are all these Aztec names? <laughs> I watched one of the little two minute, three minute short films on YouTube last night. And it's essentially like a remake of the hospital scene from Jacob's ladder. <laughs> yeah. It's like the bunny guy, like pushing uh, a gurney with like another bunny guy in it. Oh, that's it. it. It even shows like the, the wheel of the gurney spinning around like in the same camera angle, like just like the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I think this all calls back to our episode we did on Silent Hill two, where we were talking about, we were talking about how important, you know, the developers influences were to the game and to its success as a piece of art. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that with Silent Hill three, they were just cementing that, and saying like, yeah, this stuff is important. It's important that you know where we got these ideas from or what's influencing us. And that's cool because it makes you look at it as a piece of art and not just as, you know, a piece of entertainment. So circling back to that cult thing. Yeah. (laughs) um, We haven't really dove into the actual members of the cult. And uh, it, it keeps being alluded to that there are you know, more than a few members of this cult, but you never meet any of them in the game. No, you only meet, uh, three people really. Well, two and a half, I guess. <laughs> Claudia. Right. Um, which we've already talked about. Another guy we haven't talked about really is, uh, Vincent. Right. Who is part of the cult, but he doesn't really see eye to eye with Claudia. Uh, He's not as zealous, I guess. He has his own machinations going on, and he he never really shows his cards. Right. He's a really confusing character. Their conversations are really uh, circular, and right. you don't really know what's, got, what's going on until later in the game when he kind of decides that he's going to go against Claudia and not be a part of her plan he's conniving and i feel like because you sort of you know like trust douglas heather doesn't really like him and she keeps ghosting him right but douglas is sort of a likable character yeah uh vincent is just like like you just immediately know like this guy is a piece of shit (laughs) yeah once again he's another really interesting character he's super stagey he's really over the top when he speaks he was apparently glib. yeah very glib he's apparently supposed to look like vincent gallo which he like k- yeah. kind of does <laughs> which i think is a pretty good shortcut to making someone just immediately like Ugh. unlikable <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like if you met someone at a show and you're like man that motherfucker looks like vincent gallo you wouldn't be saying oh he's handsome you'd be saying like there's something about that guy i didn't like like he's rich but he still smells bad and he wears a vest <laughs> And the vest smells bad, too. (laughs) He took the vest off and he put it on a chair. I accidentally sat in the chair and I just smelled the vest. Oh, Christ. (laughs) Sorry, this is getting a little too vulgar. (laughs) 
get, get a whiff of that vest. You know, smell the vest is also now a contender for the title of this episode. Uh-huh. Just like dark rings around the edge of the vest. <laughs> armholes. Oh, God. Yeah, I can smell it now. I can taste it, actually. So that's how the character Vincent makes me feel. <laughs> yeah, but... He's he's uh yeah, he's a good foil for both your character and for Claudia. And as the relationships develop, you sort of start to wonder who's on what side and who's trying to do what. He's essentially just an antagonist on all fronts. Right. Like towards Claudia, towards you. He's like a very he's like a wild card, I guess. Yeah. And the other thing though about this narrative that is cool is that even though it introduces it feels like it has more characters in Silent Hill 2. It doesn't actually. No, it doesn't. And it still doesn't really show you the scope of this cult. Like, there's clearly enough people in it that they can get some shit done, like, and Mm -hmm. try to end the world. But, you know, you don't, I think you maybe see, do you see any sort of like quasi-human like forms? Well, uh, arguably, arguably that boss, um, the missionary. Right. He takes orders from her, so he may be human. Right. But it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and this brings us to something that Vincent does say later on in the game, which is a sort of famous line from Silent Hill 3. He says, they look like monsters to you. Yeah. <laughs> which is creepy as fuck. I but love that. essentially, Heather sees them as monsters, but who knows what they really are. The, the things that she's like bashing to death all over town. Could just be members of the cult. I don't, I don't like that explanation as much, you know. It's creepy, though. Like, that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, but you're just, like, running around town, like, killing people's dogs or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Beating people's dogs to death with pipes. Yeah, and I... Okay, so one thing that I also like about this game... Um, to be a total broken record now. <laughs> Welcome to Things I Like with Ali Jafar, hosted by me, Ali Jafar. Today we're talking about the things I like. <laughs> but one thing I like about this game is that it tells a totally different story than Silent Hill 2, but it uses the same tools. So, like I was saying, it's still a very small cast. It's still very uh-huh. unreal. We're not bringing in more characters and more people. We're not seeing the fucking mm-hmm. military. You know, we're not going to the secret. We're not secret seeing legions of cultists. Right. We're not going into secret labs or anything like that. Like, we're doing Silent Hill shit, you know? And I think that's cool. And, yeah, that line from Vincent and some of the conversations with Vincent and uh, Douglas are really, really cool because yeah, they reinforce that even when the narrative is kind of going off the rails. And if there's a place where I'm going to concede to you that it's bad is, like, the ending. You know, <laughs> like the whole last like 20 minutes or whatever. It's like, OK, yeah. should right. be cray. Yeah, but <laughs> right. Fuck subtlety. Yeah, but I like that the rest of the game is doing the work to keep it in that weirdo David Lynch unreality realm mm. and not just right. go super ham, you know. So speaking of David Lynch unreality, the third character in the cult is uh leonard yeah which is a person you sort of meet right uh it's claudia's dad and he knows that claudia needs to be stopped but he's also like a real piece of shit too (laughs) 
Yeah. You, you find out that he's apparently at the hospital, so you go looking for him. At first, he's sort of like a ghost. Yeah. I think you get a call from him, and he's in like a room that doesn't exist. Right. And so you show up, and there's a door there where there wasn't a door before. It's all really cool. Yeah. But you end up meeting Leonard, and he's sort of a disembodied voice. And then a big monster shows up, and you fight it. And, you know, you assume it's Leonard. Right. Yeah, it's 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 implied that that's actually what he is. And right. looking at the bestiary now, that monster is called Leonard Wolf. It's just his name. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, Claudia's last name is Wolf. Which is a dope name for a boss, though. Leonard. Leonard. <laughs> Leonard, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's cool that the game takes you into this detour into... A little bit of backstory on Claudia and why she's crazy. And then also introduces you the concept of there's some weird metaphysical characters that aren't just monsters. Yeah. Those are all of the characters in the game. Yeah, that's it, though. Claudia, Vincent, Douglas, Heather, right? And then disembodied voice Leonard. So I think that is a smaller cast in Silent Hill 2. Yeah, right. But the scope of the game is bigger. You know, sure. It's like it feels, you know, the scope is a little bit bigger. The struggle is this kind of save the world a little bit. It's not explicitly, but um, right. The game gets really wacky in the end. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the big event that happens in this game and sets up the whole second half of the game is mm-hmm. in the first half of the game, Heather is just trying to go home. She's at this mall. Right. Everything goes nutso butso. And she's like, <laughs> I'm fucking going home. She has a great line, which is after Douglas is like, what, what the fuck was that monster? Or sorry, in his voice, <laughs> yeah. it was, what the fuck was that monster? And then she goes, I don't know. And he's like, what are we going to do? And she's like, I'm taking the subway home. Yeah. <laughs> which is just so fucking badass. I love that. She just gives no fucks about this guy who is like so clearly like rattled out of his gourd, you know? (laughs) Well, he's even like, well, what am I going to do now? And she's like, hell if I know. (laughs) Yeah. She says, hell if I know. And then he says, where are you going? And she goes, I'm taking the subway home. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's just, that's just good. That's just good Mm. shit. Yeah. You know? Oh, you know, I I really wanted to mention this on the subway part, but that little ghost subplot for a second is so cool yeah totally i yeah yeah that's just we'll we'll let uh listeners discover that right for sure so she's on this whole quest to go home and she can't seem go the f home yeah go the f home she can't seem to make it home she keeps getting wrapped into these nightmare worlds and finally finally she makes it home and uh claudia has killed her dad uh, who is Rip Harry? Yeah, R.I.P. Harry Mason of which I did Silent find Hill. it. Yeah, from Silent Hill One, I did find it funny how like low poly he looked, like dead in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's a, actually a callback. It's got to be. <laughs> but yeah, so he's slumped in his chair. He's dead. Heather is upset, you know, because. She should be. Claudia, you know, says, I had this monster kill your dad. Like, fuck your dad. And then, uh, (laughs) um, well, Heather's like, no, fuck your monster. And then she kills the monster. 
And Mm -hmm. basically her and Douglas put her dad to rest. And then they're like, okay, well in bed, in bed. And they're (laughs) like, okay, well, fuck it. We're going to silent Hill. We're going to murder all these people. Everybody's going to die. Yeah. It was like the switch that flipped Heather into like revenge mode. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, it's like Kill Bill. It's fucking cool, man. Yeah, it's dope. I like it. So they get in the car and they drive to Silent Hill while a song that I feel like was maybe in Silent Hill 2 plays, or maybe it wasn't, but uh, they did lift that scene directly in the movie. I don't know if you remember that, um, where they're driving in this one song that kind of sounds like Madonna is playing. and um, Yeah, (laughs) That, that comes from this game. Uh, you know, well, <laughs> I guess maybe this is a good uh, a good place to to mention a big a big side note here is that they did technically adapt this into the Silent Hill two movie. Uh, Didn't see it. It is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It is so fucking brutal. So on your recommendation, I did watch the first Silent Hill movie. Yeah, and wasn't as bad as I expected. It's pretty good. Um, not great. It's good. Yeah, uh, it's okay. I love it, but I'm broken, and I've accepted that. <laughs> um, but the second one is is a true, a true, true uh, pile of human waste, and it is like so brutally bad. But it's like it is a direct adaptation of uh, this game, and man, it is fucking horrible. But two of my favorite parts of it—that's why I thought of this. Um, one of my favorite parts is it's not actually a part. It's just an element of the movie, which is that they put Vincent in the game as like, or in the movie as the son of the leader of the cult. And they made him kind of like a teen heartthrob, (laughs) which Mm. is like super hilarious. And him and Heather like fall in love, uh, which is also funny. The other part though, is that, um, they they kill her dad, but her dad is fucking Sean Bean. So it's like another <laughs> fucking movie where they kill Sean Bean. Um, Good. I like the tradition. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was really funny. Well, he he was the dad in the first movie too, though. Yeah, yeah. So it's it makes plot sense, but yeah. But it's just like he's in this movie for five minutes. It almost feels like they green screened him in. It's so 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 <laughs> funny. Uh, nice. It's really bad. I guess the other the other real laugh out loud moment is that the climax of the movie is a fight between a uh, pyramid head and lady pyramid head. Oh dear God! Yeah, that was a pretty. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, that movie sucks a lot. But anyway, um, <laughs> the game kind of has a similar sort of uh, cheesy horror movie vibe, at least in the sense of. Having Heather be like, it's payback time, you know? (laughs) So that's basically the setup for the second half of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And so after that, they go to Silent Hill. They set up shop. You've got your submachine gun. You've got your submachine gun. You've got your flail. (laughs) Yes. You've got your katana. (laughs) Yes. These are all things you actually have at this point in the game. Um... And at this point in the game, it <laughs> it is like somewhat ridiculous. Like I'm not gonna. It's argue. completely fucking ridiculous. Right. I hate the weapons in this game. <laughs> Let's talk about the weapons. All right, we're talking about the weapons. Tell me about the weapons, James. Derail. I hate the weapons. 
Why do you find a katana and a flail and a, a Uzi? I don't get it. Well, the Uzi might make more sense than everything else. Yeah. But like, what I don't is, like it. Is this fan service? Is this... The, what's going on here? I mean, does it make any less sense than anything else that happens in Silent Hill? Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. I can understand, like, a dirty hatchet. You know? Sure. The steel pipe. A steel pipe. Steel pipe is nerfed in this game. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, Katana Master Ace, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's a callback to the to the Silent Hill 2 episode, but in Silent Hill 2, uh, Metal Pipe is OP in this game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In this game, Katana, Katana wrecks homes. Dude, yeah, Katana destroys all worlds. <laughs> Katana ruins lives. Yeah, Katana plus uh, strafe left and strafe right. Like, game <laughs> over, dude. Uh, I don't think there's a strafe in the console version, dude. <laughs> you can totally strafe. But you play it on PC, right? I played the PC version. Yeah. It's buggy as fuck. <laughs> oh, check this out. This is like the derail inside the derail. Let's go. Halfway through the game, I'm playing it and I'm, I save it and I realize the difficulty has switched to easy. Okay. I look it up and like the dude on GitHub that wrote the mod, there's like a couple people that have like said that this happened to them. Okay. Dude can't replicate it. Apparently it's just like a known issue. Okay. So I, I loaded a couple saves previously because I'm a save hoarder and I have like 50 saves. Uh, right. So it's not a huge deal, but I load it, put it back on normal because I don't want to fuck the puzzles up. Right. And I'm playing it and, you know, an hour later, it, the language switches to Japanese. <laughs> and it's like I just climbed through a window and the language switches to Japanese. <laughs> so this happens like three times during the game. Uh, I get a couple crashes when I go through doors and stuff. The PC version's fucked. Yeah. Um, so don't pay for it. Just pirate it. Right. And fuck Konami. Fuck Konami. Yeah. Fuck everything about Konami. Yeah, it's it's so... I, I'm really enjoying this back and forth we're having because it was the same in the last <laughs> episode where you're like, this happened and this happened. It's like, well, I played it on PS2 and it's, yeah. it's a pretty solid game. <laughs> like, I mean, it does look really good. Uh, 4K, you know, it's 16 by 9. Yeah. Nothing's fucked up in that way. But yeah, it's just, it's a PC port from 2003. It's just fucked up. Yeah. I'm just, I'm rocking the RCA straight into an HD TV, so you know that shit Sick. looks bad. Sick. But, but I got strafe left and right, so, you know. Yeah, dude. Fuck your couch. <laughs> you were katana strafing. That's dude, straight up. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh god, it's like uh, that's the fucking Onimusha Dark Souls shit right there, dude. <laughs> Parrying, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like. I really enjoyed the structure of this game being as such that halfway through you find out. Oh, that's, that's the other thing. Your dad dies, and you find out the whole, your whole history, which is that you are, you know, the good half of Alessa that split off and went to live in the mortal world, while the bad half mm -hmm. went to stayed in Silent Hill Hell World. I guess. Y yeah, you know it, buddy. <laughs> you, you don't guess shit. It tells you that. So, like, I sort of love that the the structure of the game is such that halfway through you find out you're the chosen one and you go back to wreak havoc with your katana and uzi like 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's it, it's it's not as tastefully as they could. I think. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I started off this episode with this conviction that I was like, I'm gonna keep <laughs> arguing for this game, and I feel at this point that I'm just arguing for my own stupidity. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, no, it's a good game. I mean, I'm just playing the antagonist here because I'm so good at it. (laughs) Yeah, you're an asshole. (laughs) But like, I'm an idiot. Like this, there's, there's really no explanation for why I keep sticking up for this. (laughs) Well, like, I don't know. At least you find the katana in like a little like display stand. The flail makes no sense. You just find it next to, like, a toolbox. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my space where I have my little soldering station, you know, I also have a small toolbox, and, of course, there's a flail in there. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. I frequently find myself flailing at my amp to fix it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, so really the second half of the game is just, like, a dash to kill Claudia, right? Right. She's got it in her mind. We're going to fucking kill Claudia. She even, like, says it out loud a couple times. Let's go. Right. And so you, you, you end up back at the uh, amusement park to get through the, the amusement park because the church is on the other side, and that's where she's at. Right. And you're sort of fulfilling the premonition of your dream you had the, at the beginning of the game. You go through the amusement park. There's there's a great haunted house. It's just, like, kind of like a big, like, fuck you sort of joke to the player. Right. There's several cheap deaths you walk through it and a narrator talk, talks to you about these like cheesy little ghost rooms and stuff right and there, there's a jump scare too yeah uh, I, I really like that section of the game though just once again it's fun yeah just for being fun and also to sort of rattle your cage as a player I think if you're going in expecting Silent Hill to be one thing this game is like Sound Hill's whatever the fuck we want it to be, dude. Right now, it's yeah. this. Yeah, and so there's one room where, like, the ceiling falls down with spikes on it. Right. It can either kill you or not kill you, depending on what you do. Yeah. Um, there's one room where it's, you know, one another one of those endless hallways. Yeah. Where, like, a glow is chasing you and you'll die inexplicably. And all the while, the narrator is kind of, like, taunting you. Right. And this is my other theory that this game isn't just a sequel to Silent Hill 1. It's a bit of a callback to classic survival horror. Like, the way in which you're supposed to run from all the enemies, the difficulty of the combat, the ridiculous weapons you get. I feel like in some ways, maybe I'm reading too much into it or I'm putting something there that isn't, but I feel like it's sort of a love letter to classic survival horror. It's developers of the game being like, yeah, we've all played Tecmo's Deception. Like, we know what's up. Well, and then there's, like, item-based deaths. You know, if, if you use the item wrong, you're going to die. Or if you don't use the item, you're going to die. Which are, like, total callbacks to, like, you know, classic adventure games. Right. And and even like I was saying earlier, a lot of the the puzzles feel more like Sierra adventure games than, I guess, what we had come to expect from Silent Hill. And I think that element really appeals to me. You know, just trying to fuck with people's expectations. I think this game kind of a weird middle finger to everybody's <laughs> you know uh expectations for this game sure especially towards the end of the game with the uh they kind of eschew subtle symbolism for just like heavy-handed like slap you over the face with 
We're going to talk about some topics here. (laughs) Topics, huh? Topics, hot topics. Yeah, so should we talk about like the the ending section of the game? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So basically, when you go to confront Claudia, at this point, it's been revealed that the plan is for uh, Heather as the the chosen one to serve as a vessel for uh, their cult rebirthing God. God is both in quotations and with a capital G. Right. uh, Because it is the God that the cult worships, which is the head of this pantheon of, you know, uh, angels slash agents of chaos um, that exist in this world. So essentially they're going to like, implant her with God and then she's going to birth it. It's called impregnate. (laughs) Yeah. And it's pretty like (laughs) gruesome, you know, like just a suggestion of it. I don't know if she was at, at one point was she was the child conceived. Is it the beginning of the game? Is that why she's having nightmares? She pregnant the whole time. I think that's the the suggestion is that right. her just going to Silent Hill was enough um, and that she's been kind of like pregnant the whole game, mm-hmm. which is also weird and gross. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the game is like, oh, you think that's weird and gross, asshole? Check this shit out. Because it turns <laughs> out the whole time uh, she's been wearing a necklace that has like a morning after pill. Yes. Uh, which she, Thank you, Plan B. Yeah, which she takes and then vomits up the fetus of God. Yeah, I just want to say Harry is like a really good like dad for like <laughs> teaching Heather like responsible sex education. Yeah, well, and he's pro-choice, clearly. Super pro choice. Yeah, it's a real like wild ass move. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but then it turns out that that wasn't enough to kill God. God still. Yeah, Claudia is like super pro life, and she like really means it. <laughs> yeah. So when Heather vomits the fetus up, Claudia takes it upon herself to eat the fetus and become the new mother. Yeah. This is also a point to mention that Heather's dialogue throughout this whole sequence is incredible. <laughs> She's she completely turns into a meme. She does she gives no fucks. She basically Z snaps and finger waves her way through this entire dialogue exchange. <laughs> she calls Claudia a bitch. And then after vomiting up a fetus, she says, looks like God didn't make it. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's fucking badass, dude. Like, this is what I mean for like, yeah, I came for some sort of subtle classy thing, but I left with whatever the fuck this is. And it's what I needed. It's not what I wanted. It's what I needed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this whole sequence is just <laughs> fucking absurd. And like college atheist club. <laughs> I love it. Trench coats and shit. <laughs> Yeah, my inner fedora wearing, uh, literal card carrying member of the atheist society thinks this whole section is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, less amazing is the fact that yeah, then God grows into a creature that you have to fight in a really like corny boss fight. Okay, well, we have to talk. Okay, <laughs> okay, so okay. The church has like an altar 
and you know like like every church has but instead of a regular altar there's this like big metal circle with like a slot on the floor and claudia jumps in the slot to birth the baby right wait no she doesn't jump in uh volatile busts the fuck out of the slot and like ruptures it <laughs> right and pulls claudia down inside it and she like ate the thing yeah yeah i mean it's a mess like it's wh- like whatever happened. super subtle too like <laughs> yeah what could this mean <laughs> right and so the combination of all those three entities produces this big weird boss thing god yeah that's god that's god bro once again capital g but in quotation marks <laughs> No, I think this is literal God. No quotes. <laughs> it's like the boss in Xenogears that's like God, and it's just like a big worm. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. All right. I'm, I remember that. I'm picking up what you're putting down, baby. I like it. Yeah, Xenogears and Silent Hill 3 are basically like my philosophy on atheism. <laughs> Milady. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Um as as Monica would say, I just regrew my hymen. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So then you have to fight the boss, and I guess this is the point where even even me is like, "All right, this is kind of stupid." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you kill the boss. This game actually has a pretty happy ending. Yeah, I guess. Douglas's leg is broken and Heather's being like a total piece of shit teenager and like pretends to have to kill Douglas or something. And then she said she just did that because blondes like to have fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it actually has a weird fake out ending where she like comes out and she's acting really weird and Douglas thinks she's going to kill him. But then she's like, oh, I was just fucking with you. And he's like, rightfully, that was not funny, Heather. (laughs) And then she says, yeah, blondes have more fun. And once again, like... How can you not just love this? Like, it's such a hot mess. I've come full circle from feeling dumb for defending this game to feeling like I am so right. (laughs) Okay, well, I've got I've got this theory, right? Okay, that good and bad are a circle, right? That Something can be so good that it sucks. Like Yngwie Malmsteen, right? Yeah. He's really good at guitar, but he fucking sucks. Right. Or something so bad that it's good. You know, yeah. like Friday the 13th, part 37. Right. right. You're describing an Ouroboros or the snake eating its tail. <laughs> right. But the worst thing that you can do is the other side of the circle, which is mediocrity. Right. So Silent Hill 3 is good. It's not bad and it's not mediocre. Right. I'm going to say that my take on it is that Silent Hill three's colorful silliness is actually a bit transcendent and that's why i like it a little bit more Mm. than all the other entries in the series because you know and once again you if you haven't listened to our silent hill 2 episode you should because it's really fucking good but like (laughs) silent hill is a really cool series in that there's a very clear and respectable artistic intent so you start to look at each of the entries, as I said in the beginning of the episode, as different works of art. And to me, I always think of them as like different albums, right? Mm. And so Silent Hill 2 is like the really dark, serious, you know, 
heady album and Silent Hill 3 is the one where they just want to have fun after that <laughs> you know they're, yeah. they're blonde they want to have more fun <laughs> but I think the way well, that they tackled that is so silly that it's transcendent I guess but it does have some super heavy themes that you can't ignore right for sure so like and it 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 handles them like stumpy limbs with no appendages <laughs> right sure and i mean i mean yeah it brings these things up like yeah abortion right atheism yeah. uh the absurdity of organized religion right and I don't think it handles any of them in a super good way. Like Heather's a cool protagonist and all, but like, I don't know. Yeah. No, it just doesn't seem to be handled very well. I have to agree with you. Cause I said the same thing about Silent Hill too. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree. There are actually women on the team. Yes. For Silent Hill three. I, I believe there was four Japanese women and four American women. Right. So, so. And, but, and I'm going to say too, that like, I not only said the same thing about Silent Hill 2, I said the same thing about LS2, which is that if you're going to bring up heavy themes, you have to deal with them. And those games totally didn't deal with them. I think Silent Hill 3 also doesn't really deal with them. But I also think that the game's sort of bizarro dream logic and the way it approaches them, it, it is just a little bit less serious. Well, Heather deals with it with a giant bucking middle finger. Right. Um, you know, she's sad about her dad. She's sad about that. She's mourning her dad. Right. But when it comes to like birthing this child, she will, she wants fucking nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. Which is awesome. I'm just going to yeah, say it, and, you know, it's punk AF. Right. And I think that's, so that's the difference between, and, and I think kill bill actually is a really good reference point here because like kill bill is not feminist. <laughs> Like Kill Bill's written by a piece of shit, you know, like, but <laughs> it has a really badass female protagonist. It has that punk attitude. And sometimes that's just enough to get you through ideologically speaking. And I mean, it's once again, like I'm definitely not going to call Silent Hill 3 feminist. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to say that it <laughs> it deals with its heavy themes in a way that is appropriate at all. But the fact that it sort of just has this gonzo punk energy and it treats its female protagonist with respect feels important in its own like tiny way. And it feels right. not disrespectful, which is how I felt Outlast 2 was, you know? Yeah. And even if, even though she's like in a mini skirt, it's not like super sexualized or anything. No, she's not a, a super sexualized character. And it's once again, it's like. I think the idea of disrespect is important to me because, like, dude, Abstract Daddy was disrespectful. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, for it, sure. Once again, I'm not, like I said in the last episode, I'm not like cancel Silent Hill 2, you know, but <laughs> I am just going to say that I felt like the if they're, they're going to bring up those issues because they're in the milieu, I think dealing with them in this way feels more respectful than dealing with them in this super serious way this is the thing you know <laughs> yeah like sometimes that really really rubs me the wrong way poor choice of phrase there but you get what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but like 
So, like, imagine somebody that's, like, really, like, pro-life, born-again Christian, seeing the end of this game, right? You vomit the baby out. Yeah. Someone else eats the baby. <laughs> and then you, like, descend into, like, this metallic vagina womb. Yeah. And then you fucking, like, kill a baby with a, like, submachine gun and katana. <laughs> That rules. Like in a hellscape, right? Yeah, that rules. I imagine you could like give like 80-year-old old Christian women like heart attacks with that kind of shit. Yeah, you, you could kill. That kind of energy kills Republican senators. We should all be doing some fucking Santeria shit while just like watching YouTube videos of the end of Silent Hill 3 and seeing if it kills Republican <laughs> senators. Just speed run that shit. <laughs> Kill them faster. Yeah, dude. Wow. Wow. Like <laughs> slaughtering chickens. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. You, you know what I'm talking about. That's where yeah, we're dude. at. That's where America's at. Black magic, dude. Yeah. We got to bring back the middle class with black magic. <laughs> dude, we're going to rebuild the middle class with sacrifice and a cult. Like, finally, someone with real solutions. Dude, I'm totally running for president. I mean, why join the pyramid scheme at the bottom of the pyramid when you could make your own pyramid scheme? Yeah, dude. Pyramid head scheme. I'm down. Put me in it. <laughs> your cabinet would be that, like, locker with the twitching corpse in it? Yeah, dude. Dude, locker, locker guy's my boy. Vice President Volatiel. <laughs> Never in the same place at the same time for security reasons. Yeah, dude. Secretary of State Lobsell Veith. Uh, Claudia could be uh, Education Secretary. <laughs> I mean, if, Claudia DeVos. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Claudia is our Secretary of Education right now. So, Silent Hill 3. <laughs> <laughs> We're so past it. I mean, is, yeah, so is there, is there a conclusion to draw here? Have you had verdict? Let's, let's check in. Has your yeah. mind changed at all about Silent Hill 3 and then you can ask me the same thing <laughs> I mean I like it it's fun it it doesn't stick on your bones like Silent Hill 2 does you know there I think there are less endings than Silent Hill 2 also yeah there are so the replayability is a little lower yeah it just didn't stick on my bones like 2 did um it's fun um they really could have like evolved the fucking camera <laughs> evolved the combat a little bit between games yeah um, I think the linearity doesn't help. I think the intro doesn't help. I, I, I it's not as good as two. Sure. It's still a good Silent Hill game. Looking forward to playing through four again. Yeah, I guess like, I guess my mind hasn't really changed either. Wow, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna say though that like, yeah, I guess like where my mind has gone throughout this, what, how my viewpoint has evolved. I'll still say the same thing is that. I love how this game doesn't give you context for most of it and just keeps throwing you into these endless hallways that are just truly psychedelically terrifying. And mm -hmm. it just keeps fucking with you in ways that are really subtle and cool. And that's like the first half of the game. And then the right. second half of the game is just like a steaming hot mess. And mm. I think that I love this game more for being that way. Like, mm. if it had kept it classy, I wouldn't like it as much. So mm. I'm just going to, like, raise a, a, a lone star to uh, 
to Silent Hill 3 and say, you know what, buddy? You keep doing you. Silent Hill 3 is like the guy going down the street on one of those weird segmented skateboards. And like Mm. he keeps falling over. But then one day he just like (laughs) doesn't get back on it and comes over and like talks to you about some deep shit. And you're like, you're cool, man. And then he like clumsily skateboards away. And then you raise your Lone Star to him. And you're like, you keep doing you, buddy. There's only one you. And I fucking love you. So, so legacy. Do you think Silent Hill three, it did it did it kick off a legacy, or was the legacy more just like the series as a whole? I think the legacy is a series as a whole. Like, I mean, on a more serious note, I guess, like I said, I think Silent Hill three introduces a lot of things that people take for granted. That mm-hmm. without them, the series would absolutely not be the same. You know. And a lot of the things that we just sort of knee-jerk say, like, oh, that's Silent Hill, actually come from this game. I think as an influential piece, Silent Hill 2 obviously is the most influential. It's the most complete Mm -hmm. thought, and it lays out a plan for other people to also explore that same thought. Silent Hill 3 is more just like, we're going to evolve our own art form. We're going to evolve the series and keep adding elements to the series. Because, I mean, once again, Silent Hill 4 is the same way. Very underrated in, ter- in terms of all the things that it added to the series. It's just, it's not Silent Hill 2. But, like, we talked about in that episode, there were so many factors contributing to making Silent Hill 2 the work that it was that it's lightning in a bottle. You don't get it twice. Right, right. But even in, in, in nuts and bolts sort of ways, Silent Hill 3 did a lot of things like unlockable costumes right. and items that'll, that might uh, help with replayability. And I think that's that was kind of like a trend that it started. Right. Um, that lived on like, you know, like through the Fatal Frame games, things like that. Yeah. Uh, Fatal Frame kind of made it more like, you know, like fan servicey. Uh, yeah. very uncomfortable but I think that um, with Silent Hill 3 too just that like we're talking about the general level of quality in the the audio and the visuals and the fact that it is noticeably less janky than what came before all definitely contributed I think those core concepts feeding into the horror genre are really important because there was a long time where we were just all like yeah whatever it's janky you know yeah yeah, and and also just what you can do with a psychedelic horror game. I and mean, we also we didn't talk about it much, but it's like the other worlds in this game are crazy. Like they're yeah. so bloody and gory and rusty. They're mm. so yeah, over especially the, top. the uh, the church at the end of the game is insane. Uh, it morphs. You know, you walk into a room and you do some things, and you walk out of the room, and then like the entire hallway is morphed, and it's like bleeding upwards, like Danzig's house and shit. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And it's just such a cool piece of design and combined with the crazy audio. And dude, I mean, God, it barely even got into the music. Like, God, the music is so good. We'll do an episode on the music. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, I mean, don't worry, viewers. Yeah. We're definitely (laughs) going to do an episode just on the music, but I love the way it went in this game. It introduces more guitar um, it, mm. it introduces a little more funny enough subtlety. Uh, I think like if you listen to Silent Hill two, one and two soundtrack, it's very like categorical. Like here's your 
soothing ambient stuff. Here's your industrial right. music. Here's your right. kind of trip hoppy chill music. In Silent Hill 2 or in Silent Hill 3, those categories are all blended together a lot more and I think it really elevates the music. Like everything is just much more of a piece and has a slightly different sound. It's really cool. Great theme song which I edited into the last episode. Um, For sure. But I'll probably drop it somewhere in here too cuz I love that shit. Yeah, yeah. There's so many great songs. So like I guess final thoughts on the episode. Like what what's your favorite like moment from Silent Hill 3? Oh, oh wow. Um <laughs> good cue. I mean, god, it's just those those endless hallways. Like yeah. I think it's at the end of the there's like just this kind of nondescript building. I think it's the Hilltop Center. Mm. Um as you're leaving it, like there's just this really long hallway that just goes on and on and on and on. And yeah, I just love it, you know, and it happens so many times in the game. Like in the beginning, there's, you know, a great ladder to nowhere and the, yes. all this kind of like just those moments. That's what's really stuck with me. And every time and, and I guess like my approach to this series is the same for every game where I look at it more as a mood piece than as like a tale or something that's trying for to sure. like, tell me a story. And the mood that those moments create is just unparalleled. I, I love it so much. My favorite moment of the game is pretty late on, late in the game. You're in the bloody throbbing church and you walk into one room. And uh, the entire side is a mirror, right? And you can you can see yourself in the mirror, but there's this sort of um, like disease on the floor that you see in the reflection, and it crawls across the room and into a sink, and it starts coming out on your side, and it crawls up on Heather, and your reflection is like rotting away and like turning all like disgusting and fucked up, and then it slowly starts happening to you. Right, and if you stay in that room too long, you'll die. Yeah, and that room makes—you don't even need to go into that room to progress the game. I don't think. Yeah, it's um, just a spookums. It's just the spookums, and it's just like such a great little spookums. Well, even just the uh, visual of like that visual keeps coming up in the game of like Heather looking in a mirror, and yeah, the way that they keep toying with that, and eventually like you fight your other half. And right, like ugh, that's so cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> once again, for a game that really trades in mood more than moments and and you know imagery in that way, it's so cool to see such a strong image, and that's a really strong image to me. Yeah, for sure. And that's why Silent Hill Three is the best one in the series. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> The end. <laughs> the end. <laughs>